what really kind of like tears at my heart is when I'm looking at other people's listings and, you know, you have a yard space. It doesn't have to be these huge quarter half acre plots that, that maybe we're going after, but, you know, they have a 20 by 20 grass space and it's just plain grass. And I'm like, oh, such a lost opportunity to have maybe installed a nice firing pit, a fire pit where people can gather. They're going to, you know, drink wine, tell stories together, you know, make s'mores with their kids, create that experience. Like all, all this is, is a transfer of emotion. I, I used to do sales before I did real estate. And, you know, somebody said sales is just literally the transfer of emotion from one person to the next. And if you get them to emotionally connect with your product or your service, they're going to take action. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. What's up, friends? So over the last few weeks, you've heard me talk a lot about Onores. Onores is the property management software most loved by professional vacation rental managers. So if you're in the market for a better platform or new software to help you grow your business, give Onores a look. Even if you're not in the market, it's always helpful to stay up to date and abreast of what these platforms have, what new offerings they might be uh, spinning up, right? What new features they have. It's always good. These tools change so quickly and you might be missing out on a feature or or tool that you desperately need to help get your business to the next level. And perhaps Onores has that feature or, or that tool. So go ahead and give them a look. And if you do talk to a team member there, just mention behind the stays. And that way, if you do want to buy something from them at some point, if you want to sign up for Onores, you'll get a special exclusive discount only available to behind the stays listeners. So just mention behind the stays, you'll get 30% off the first three months and let them know that Zach sent you their way. In about 15 minutes from now, you'll hear an exclusive chat that I had with Tyann. Tyann Marsink is an industry leader. You guys have probably seen her on social. She's just incredible. She puts out really, really good content. She's a huge fan of Onores. So don't take my word for it. Take uh, her word for it, who she's been a customer with them for years. So head on over to ownerreservations.com and give Onores a good look. All right, guys, take care. Enjoy this episode. In just a moment, you'll re-meet Taylor Jones, head of acquisition at TechFester, one of my favorite STR thought leaders to follow on social media, and a good friend of the Behind the Stays podcast. After losing a sales job during COVID, Taylor spent hundreds of hours watching YouTube videos and learning all that he could about short-term rental real estate investing and the growing trend of experiential hospitality. Today, he leads acquisitions at TechVestor, and in our chat, Taylor talks about everything he and his team have learned about building a portfolio of over 100 Airbnbs over the last 17 months. TechVestor focuses on transforming run-of-the-mill single-family homes into unique, curated short-term rentals, and Taylor shares the success that they've found in sticking to and being bullish on this model. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to learn from and be inspired by Taylor Jones. All right, Taylor, we are, you're back, man. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Zach. Looking forward to it. 
Dude, I um, I feel like I know you so well because if, for whatever reason, the Twitter algorithm, or I should say the X algorithm, uh, <laughs> knows that I must just like really like everything that you have to say because I feel like you're 70 to 80% of my Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> and so I, I feel like I know you a lot better than, than I actually do. And just right off the bat, I want to, I just want to thank you for all the content that you put out. We were just talking a little bit offline about how it's, it can be hard to know who to trust and like whose whose voice to listen to and, and who to follow in, in this space. But I think you are an incredibly reliable one. And I, I've always appreciated your your authenticity and, and the way that you teach through social. So uh, thanks for all the work you do, man. I know that's not easy. It's time consuming to put all that content out. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and some days are easier than others. Uh, generating a, a thought every day, which, you know, I've consistently been doing for a year and a half. It, it can be tough, um, you know, but to me, I think this is such a new and early asset class that it's advantageous to help grow it and push it forward for the long run. So if I'm looking at this on a five or 10 year horizon, it'd be better for everybody in this asset class to become a better operator. Hmm. You know, I'm kind of a big rising tide lifts all boats guy. And that's really what the drive is behind the content is continue to share, continue to help others because there is more mom and pops. It's not institutionalized like multifamily or, yeah. you know, self-storage and, you know, there is no mom and pop players, um, you know, left in those spaces. It's really, Hey, how can we all grow together? Because if we're all better operators, we're all going to be able to charge a higher ADR and we're all going to make more money. And if somebody stays at one of your Airbnbs has a good experience, then they're going to stay on the platform. And then maybe they book one of our Airbnbs. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love it. And, and I think that, again, it's not easy to put all that stuff out, but I, I do believe it's worth it. Uh, hopefully you've seen some, you know, of, of the reward in, in building your own personal brand. But, at the, but the, at the end of the day too, I also feel like because of the, because of how nascent all this is, people like you, other voices in this space, do you have an opportunity to, to define the culture of the space, right? Like, and, and, you know, what, what is networking going to look like? How are we going to help learn from each other? Uh, and, and I think that in general, the hospitality space has been a very like welcoming space where you can, people are really willing to share and, and whatnot. And real estate is, I don't know, it, you would know way better than me, but like, you know, there, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of loud people out there. Not all of them are necessarily, you know, worth listening to, but there seems to be no shortage of free advice out there. Whether that advice is any good is is, is another story, but there definitely seems to be uh, more than enough content around uh, how to quote unquote win in, in in this game. But I but I really do appreciate people like you who take a little bit more of like an honest uh, uh, and thoughtful approach to the content that that you produce, um, dude. You are head of acquisition at Techvestors, and you guys have you know been on this terror from what I can see through social right in terms of acquiring uh, i think over 100 uh, short term rentals in the past couple years or so is is that accurate yeah we're up to you know at, at the recording this today over 121 acquired in the last 17 months wow wow okay so in, incredibly impressive and this is after the, the you know the the quote unquote covid boom um of of the last couple of years so I want. I just want to hear, like, how, how is it going? Like, what is the current state uh, of the market as, as you see it? Right? There's there's a plethora of content out there, lots of gurus selling courses, uh, and and as you've so so uh, neatly pointed out on social, a lot of these folks kind of bought a few years ago when things were were a little bit different, right? And and haven't bought since. So I, I just want to hear from the horse's mouth, like. What what is what's going on right then right now like what what's great what's good what's what's terrible like what is the tech vester outlook on on the industry right now? Yeah, so what we're seeing before our eyes is the asset class is professionalizing itself, 
And, you know, what that means is those who just got in and listed a property without any distinct advantages are now getting crushed. And so cream is rising to the to the crop. Uh, cream is rising to the top. <laughs> and what we're seeing is, you know, all these people who had middle of the road properties are all of a sudden struggling. And if you kind of reach to buy and go into, um, you know, a certain part of the country where it wasn't a historical travel destination, it was up and coming, you know, things are starting to level out. I always look at things as, as a pendulum hmm. and, it, and it gets very extreme. So when we looked at COVID, um, downtown Metropolitan's 2020 got crushed. Yeah. Everybody left the cities. And so suburban, you know, out in the mountains, absolutely flourished and crushed it. They, they actually didn't go down during COVID, but metros did. After that opened up in 2021, 2022, you actually saw in, you know, a lot of the data aggregators like AirDNA will show you if you look at their graphs is downtown metros actually surged and, you know, there in 2021, 2022. And so everything's a pendulum. So you can go from being wiped out to, hey, nobody's going to the cities to all of a sudden being back on the rise because everybody's like, man, we already went out to the lake or yeah. out to the mountains. Let's go back and immerse ourselves now that we're comfortable going into the city and let's go to Nashville. Let's go to, you know, Dallas. Let's go to Austin. Yeah. And so I really look at a lot of these behavioral changes as, as pendulum. Same thing with like what you're seeing with European travel being through the roof right now. It, yeah. it got crushed in 2020, 2021. As somebody who had a honeymoon plan to go uh, in 2020, um, <laughs> that did not happen. Uh, speaking from personal experience here, so like everything, it, it goes in pendulum swings, and now you know Europe's at a you know all time high in surge. And my guess is everybody who's checked that European box this year will probably come in and it'll pendulum will swing next year. So you know, really, what we're seeing is you have to understand you know basic travel trends where things are, and if you really bought on one of those fringe locations, it's tough and you know, really how we're surviving today is our data. We're, we're very fortunate. We have some very elite data partners in this asset class. Hmm. I'd argue we take in more data inputs than than anybody in the space. And we just make very data-driven decisions. So when it comes to where to buy, and then once you've identified where to buy, it's okay, well, what part of town? So let's just take, you know, Nashville, for example. So if your data says, hey, Nashville's a great market, well, it's like, okay, well, do you buy on the north side, the east side, the south side, or the west side? Yeah. And then on top of that, how do you niche that down even more to be like, okay, well, does it make sense to buy a one bedroom, a two, a three, a four, um, a five? So you can really, when you look at the data, it, it really points you in the right direction of what to buy, where to buy it. And then once we get there, we go look at what all the top performers have. And, you know, big thing we do is we'll build a commonality list. And, you know, I've spoke about this before briefly, but, you know, really opening it up is go look at, you know, everybody on page one and page two. So yeah. if you do a incognito search for Nashville or whatever market you want to invest in, what you'll quickly find is everybody on page one or two, Airbnb is pushing because those are elite listings. Yeah. So go open up each one and write down every amenity they have, hot tub, fire pit, game room, movie theater, et cetera. And then on your commonality list, you're going to see overlap. So if of, of the first two pages, you go through 30 listings and you see, man, 28 out of 30 have a hot tub. Well, guess what I could tell you? A hot tub is is a you know guaranteed you have to have it just to play ball. <laughs> yeah. But if you see that only two out of the 30 have a hot tub, you might be able to save yourself eight to 10 grand and be like, hey, a hot tub is maybe not necessary. Now you could argue, hey, it could be a differentiator. But if your budget's tight, you maybe could spend that money elsewhere. So what we'll do is we'll, when we go into this new market is we'll build this commonality list so that, again, the data will point us to what to buy, where, 
bedroom count, but then we want to see what is it, what does the physical real estate look like and what are the offerings that they have? Yeah. Once you've identified that commonality list, you can do it. And so those are the reasons that we've been able to, you know, still flourish and succeed in today's environment. But I really think that if you're not adding these extra amenities or offering these extra services to people um, to differentiate from somebody else, it becomes a race to the bottom on price. And that's yeah. what a lot of people are seeing. And, um, you know, it's kind of that catch 22 is a lot of people now are reevaluating, man, I might need to spend eight to 15 grand updating my place, but they're like, man, my bookings are down. I don't want to spend money, but it's the, that's, what's putting them in that position. I think a lot of people would be a, take one step back to go two steps forward. Yeah. If you did wisely invest 10 grand updating your property with proper, you know, amenities or design upgrades or something, and that's going to allow you to stand out because everybody else who's stuck in the middle is having that same debate. And if they choose not to spend money, they're going to continue to lower their price, lower their price, lower their price. I, I love that that framing of like being stuck in the middle. And I do feel like that that's where where the lion's share of, of folks are right now. Right. And there is this this question of, hey, do I go and just build a larger portfolio? Or do I go, you know, buy a couple like, you know, unique tree houses or, or a frames? Uh, you know, do I do I invest 10 to 20 K in, in my single family homes to, to try to make them? you know, unique? Do I do like a slide from like the bunk beds like you guys did, which was so freaking epic? You know, so I, I think it's a, a very important question for people to, to wrestle with. I do want to ask like from, from the markets that you all have entered over the last, you know, year and a half or so, ha have any surprised you in terms of, wow, like this particular market has performed way better than expected and or and or way worse? And if, if so, what what were, you know, what are those markets? Yeah. I mean, we've seen both sides. So, um, you know, we came in and look at the data, you know, again, nothing's ever going to tell you the entire picture. So there is an art form to this asset class. It is hospitality at the end of the day and the number you can't make eye buying decisions with just numbers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are things that, you know, really are, are tough that you can't ever fully get. So, you know, we've gotten into a couple of markets and realized, you know, man, we maybe those first couple that we bought weren't weren't the best product. Mm. The good news is because of scale is we can always refine it and we can buy, you know, quote unquote, the correct product or a better product. Um, at the same token, when it's like, what amenities are we putting in? It is an estimation. But then when you really start A-B testing and you see what actually works, you could be like, shoot, we need to add this or we need to, or this, we overspent here. We didn't need to add this because it's not a differentiator. Um, really our key to success has been, you know, markets that we've identified where the design competition is super low. Hmm. Um, if you go look at a Joshua tree or a Scottsdale, yeah. um, you know, which we're in Scottsdale, the design competition is is elite. Yeah. Uh, and you go look at the first two, three, four, five pages of Airbnb, and you're like, man, these are all A grade design. We love, and we're still in those markets because you're always going to have demand. You're always going to have stability. You know, those are, those are your stable markets. Um, but if you really want to look for those home runs, you need to go find a market where the design level is, you know, B minus or, or better at best. And, uh, you know, I always make the joke. It's like, you know, grandma's plaid drapes. Yeah. It's people taking pictures with their iPhone. Um, that's the lowest hanging fruit to start because you're just going to win just purely based on design alone, yeah. regardless of having way more amenities than everybody else. So a lot of our success has been identifying those markets where you know, it, it has some establishment, you know, we're talking at least four to, you know, 750 active listings already. That's, that's really good. Um, you know, when people look at like what's emerging, yeah. you know, I look at 250, 300 listings in the town as like emerging, there's more risk there. There's more upside as, you know, Hey, if you quote unquote buy in on the ground floor, 
Um, you know, so for us, we have to assess, you know, how much risk we're going to take when we enter a market. But if you go into a more established market with, you know, 500 plus listings in it, um, those are what we're really doing. So we're constantly just evaluating different markets, looking at listings in that market. And when you see that the design bar is super low and it's not a Joshua tree, it's yeah. not an Austin, Texas, it's not a Scottsdale or a Disney where people have star Wars ships growing out of the wall. <laughs> you're like, man, there's something here. And you know, that those are markets we love diving into. Alrighty folks, here's the deal. I wanna meet you all in person, all right? I, it's just, it's time. Thousands of you stream behind the stage every month and I've only had the privilege of meeting a few of you in person, but we can change all of that in just a few weeks. Sarah and Annette from the Thanks for Visiting podcast are throwing TFECon in Columbus, Ohio from September 24th through September 26th. And they've invited me to come and speak at their event on SEO strategy. It's going to be loads of fun with incredible speakers, awesome workshops, and unforgettable networking parties. You can register for the event at tfvcon.com and use the discount code BTS, BTS as in behind the stays, for $150 off your ticket. Also, send me a DM on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or on Twitter to let me know if you're coming. If enough of you are able to make it, I would love to plan like a happy hour or some sort of behind the stays meetup. So come meet me and some of your other favorite creators and experts in the short-term rental space at TFECon this September, September 24th through 26th. It's a Sunday through a Tuesday. All the details can be found at TFV, TFVCon as in TFV as in thanks for visiting con, <laughs> com. And be sure to use my discount code BTS at checkout for $150 off of your ticket. All right, friends, really, really, really hope to see you all there. All right, back to the show. I, I want to drill into this a little bit more because what you guys have done really well from from my perspective anyways is you've taken the the single family home right and found ways to as you've just men mentioned before up level the, the the design but actually create sort of like a unique brand a unique experience uh, in and of itself and you know we've talked on this podcast a lot about unique stays and I've had a lot of people that have come on the show that have ridiculously kind of like bespoke like one of a kind Airbnbs right. You guys are, are taking this this different approach, which I actually think is uh, an approach that many of our most of our listeners could probably resonate and, and learn from, which is this fact of finding a single family home in a, a, a market that makes sense that people like to travel to, but then throwing something unexpected like that slide that I just mentioned, right? Or like branding each room, uh, finding cool ways to add unexpected amenities. Can can you talk a little bit about your your all's like approach here, or, or like what's what's the formula, the 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 perfect formula? So you talked about sort of the initial research stage of trying to figure out where to go, but then once you figured out where to go, like what do you guys actually do to to ensure that you've turned a you know run of the mill home into into a unique stay? Yeah, so you know every property can be unique because they're the square footage is different, the flow is different, the layout's different. It's not you know multifamily where every one one is the same layout. So the advantage there is sometimes the configuration um, it might limit what you want to do, but it also might give you the opportunity to do something. So I think a lot of it is seeing what that space provides, hmm. and we look at what's the max efficiency for that space. And if it's sitting there and, you know, like we bought one home and it had two garages and, you know, we sat there and we're like, well, what's the best use? And it's like, okay, well, let's convert one side into a movie theater 
And then let's convert the other side into a game room. So now you have these like dual garages that are separated by a wall hmm. and people could go back and forth. But, you know, again, that's not every property that's, you know, we only own one of those. Um, so it's really seeing what it, what it gives you, you know, like, oh, this yard has a huge rectangle space. Let's put an outdoor soccer field. Let's yeah. put a volleyball court or obviously pickleball has been the trend. <laughs> We've been installing a lot of pickleball courts lately, and those have translated very well into bookings. So I think it's, you know, with anything, see what your space has and maximize it. Um, what, what really kind of like tears at my heart is when I'm looking at other people's listings and, you know, you have a yard space. It doesn't have to be these huge quarter half acre plots that, that maybe we're going after, but, you know, they have a 20 by 20 grass space and it's just plain grass. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. such a lost opportunity to have maybe installed a nice firing pit, a fire pit where people can gather. They're going to, you know, drink wine, tell stories together, you know, make s'mores with their kids, create that experience. Like all, all this is, is a transfer of emotion. I, I used to do sales before I did real estate and you know, somebody said sales is just literally the transfer of emotion from one person to the next. And if you get them to emotionally connect with your product or your service, they're going to take action. Um, and so with this, you want them to emotionally figure themselves being there. And so yeah. if you can convey that with creating those spaces, put some cornhole boards out there, maybe some giant chess, none of these things are that expensive. You know, all the things I just mentioned are hundreds of dollars, if not, you know, maybe 12, 1500 bucks. But so you just look at it as, what's the best way to maximize this space with my budget? Yeah. And, you know, again, not leaving plain white drywall. Yeah. Um, we've been super big into wallpaper the last, the last year. And, you know, I don't think people realize that the power of having just an accent wall, hmm. you know, again, you don't have to do every wall in the house, but have a nice accent wall that matches your theme. If you're going with modern or rustic or cottage or coastal, you know, there's a nice clean, you know, wallpaper to fit, you know, just, just doing those little touches or elements are going to go a long way to, to really making your property, not that plain single family home and a unique opportunity for a family to create memories. Ah, uh, dude. So, so well said. I, I loved what you mentioned about the outdoor spaces in particular. Hans Lorai, who's been on the show before, and he's all over Twitter. Uh, if you're not following him already, uh, to, to our listeners, you should absolutely be following him. He posts just really beautiful stuff all the time, and he's just got an incredible eye. But one of the things he talks a lot about is how the yard or like the outdoor space is like the last thing that short term rental like hosts and operators to, uh, tend to tend to think about, right? And by the time like, you know, they get to the outdoors, it's like they've spent all their budget and they've got no money left. And so they put a couple of Adirondacks chairs out there, right? And like maybe like a little circle table and, that, and that's it. And how it's like, you know, one of the most important spaces, right? And how like at the end of the day, you know, regardless of, of the market that you're in, people people like being outside, right? And like early morning coffee or to your point, Taylor, like, you know, having having a couple drinks outside by a fire pit. Like those, when you think about like vacation and you think about like experiences, like being outdoors is 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 a big part of that for, for most people. And yet it's one of the most like underutilized or or, or le least paid attention to spaces in 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 around a home. And how just taking time like upfront to be like, hey, how do we go? How do we like ensure that we have budget to do something you know ridiculously sick or or, or at least you know beautifully uh outdoors is is like a fundamental today. It also just shoots really well, like from a photography standpoint, right? Like outdoor spaces just look beautiful and it, it, you know, you can play around with it a little bit more. There it, it's easier to make like an outdoor space look good than it is like a living room to look good, right? And it's yet it's one of the things that people pay attention to to Lee. So I love that Hans always encourages people to like really, really focus on on the outdoor spaces. And I, I, I you know, I couldn't endorse that more more myself. I did want to ask a question, Taylor, about as you as you guys as you guys have like thought about 
you know, growth and and as your as your as your portfolio has grown, have there been any particular homes and or design decisions, uh, furnishing decisions that you all have made that you've regretted, like that, like just like you th- you guys thought was going to work and just like total was you know totally blew up in your face. Yeah, I mean we have over-engineered kitchens and baths and when you go at scale you quickly realize and you know I, I did a short 280 character tweet about it but updating your kitchens and baths is the most overrated thing in airbnbs and hmm. uh, i'll give you a very inside tip you know how you said hey people start renovating the inside then they run out of money we start with the outside hmm. and we make sure we have the budget if we run out of budget we will not update a kitchen or a bath doesn't mean it's not going to be clean. Of course, it's going to be clean, but it might not be updated. And here's, here's, here's what we've, we've A-B tested it. Unless, and there's a caveat, unless you are in the luxury or couples travel space, there you must. But if you are in the large groups or just, you know, two, three, four bedroom home, you know, cabin, whatever it is, people overemphasize how modern the bathroom needs to be hmm. and the kitchen. And like I said, just having a new, a brand new toilet, nice little faucet fixtures, but it's, you know, 1990s tile is okay. But if you've got miniature golf, a fire pit, playground, and giant cornhole in the backyard, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what we've realized. So some, we've made some mistakes where we went on to homes and, you know, again, spent seven, eight grand updating the bathroom. It's got nice white subway tile and modern black finishes and all this stuff. And, and there's no significant increase because we still own others in that market. Yeah. You know, we've had ones where, you know, the kitchen was dated. We sprayed the cabinets just to give it a, a fresher color, but you know, it's still, it's, you know, it doesn't have marble countertops or a crazy backsplash. And so one of the things we learned through AB testing is that again, unless you're in the you know, couples getaway space or luxury, which, you know, again, we don't play in that space is kitchens and baths are overrated from a update and and design standpoint. And so that's why we actually start with the outside and come in Hmm. um, instead of where most people start on the inside and go out. And to your point, it's the most common mistake, like Hans has pointed out is you run out of money. Yeah, We'd rather run out of money and not be able to update a kitchen or a bath because the outside's going to photograph so well um, the living room is going to photograph. Well, you always got to update that. Obviously it's where people are gathering, but you know, again, if you have a clean functional bathroom, that's all people need on vacation. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, unless you're selling a spa package or a spa experience, which again, it's mostly couples or luxury, you don't need to do it. So it's a big common misconception that people have, you know, and same thing with kitchen. I'm a big cook myself. Yeah. Not everybody cooks on vacation yeah. or cooks, period. <laughs> so, you know, you can have this, you're like, oh man, I want to make this really nice kitchen. It's like, oh, well, only a third of the guests actually use it because yeah. most people just get DoorDash or go out to eat on vacation. And so, you know, I'm just trying to help people repurpose their dollars better and it would be better spent on amenities and the backside. So, Tyann, you own and operate 20 vacation rentals under two different brands in Missouri. Yes. Yes, I do. And you're the queen of guest experience at Touchday, which is the leading digital guest guidebook technology worldwide. Yes, I sure am. And you're trusted by thousands of other short-term rental hosts across the world who listen to your podcasts, follow you on social media, and attend your presentations at industry events. Is this correct? 
It is, and I am honored to be trusted in the industry, yes. So chances are, Tyann, that you you know a thing or two about the different property management software providers in the space. I do, and I love meeting the teams everywhere, um, and I, I know a lot about them, and I'm also very curious and ask questions to learn more because the space is always changing. Yeah, yeah, so I, I am so glad to hear that, and the reason I wanted to have this quick chat with you is because I know that you use Onores for your property management software, and I wanna hear a little bit about why you chose Onores and, and why you love Onores over you know the many other options that are available on the market. So we know there's lots of options, but I had to narrow it down to what my top priorities are. So the first one is I've got to have the communications prowess. I am all about communications. I think that is a key factor to reviews and therefore to better revenue serve. And okay. Just do that again, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Ask me the last question again. Yeah. So there are so many great options in the space, but I wanna know why you chose and, and ultimately why you love Onores over over some of the others. Can you could you give us just a couple of reasons why? Yeah, so I look at all the softwares and they all have really great capabilities, but I needed to narrow it down to what I value the most and what software matched up to that. So the first one is the communications prowess. I am all about communications. It is highly important to me and it has a great effect upon my reviews and therefore my revenue. The second one is excellent customer service. And I have this little trick that I do when I'm searching for uh, for software is that I'll send a customer service request in and see how fast they respond, how well they respond, and if I understand their response as well, because I've got to be able to understand when there's a problem. And then the third one is comprehensive capabilities. It has to be powerful to do what I need it to do. And I'm gonna add a fourth one. I need constancy and dependability because I'm running some businesses here and I've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? No one has time for software that doesn't work in the way that you expect it to. Diane, who do you think Onores is the best fit for? Like what kind of host or, or property manager do you think align best with the core product offering at Onores? So a lot of folks immediately think how many properties they have, and then they start narrowing it down to what softwares they should look at. But instead, I want you to think a little bit differently. Look at what you value. So Onores is really excellent for host and property managers who value a software that does what it says it does. Hmm. They don't overpromise, underdeliver. They underpromise and overdeliver is what they really do. Um, Onores is also a product that listens to their users and is nimble to adjust on the key needs of its users. So we're throwing out all kinds of things we want and they're really good at focusing to the key needs and doing what their users are wanting. Um, and lastly, it is for users who want and need a powerful engine to run their hospitality business. I love it. And so you were using another PMS before Onores. Was Onores the first PMS you used? Uh, how, how hard was it to either move from your old PMS or, or get set up with Onores? So I'm one of those people who's been in this industry a long time. And the first decade was pen and paper and little pocket calendar books. <laughs> and after, after my very first double booking, uh, one and only because that is something we all go through at some point or the other, uh, I started searching for some software. I used one. Um, I wasn't too thrilled with the because it was not communications friendly. It was mm. not dependable. It didn't work. Uh, so I went searching again, and that's when I found Onores. That was five years ago. So I've been with them quite a while. And then at that time, it was a simple export import exercise with a spreadsheet. And the most difficult part was the actual the core setup of my account. 
out. Hmm. Um, there's definitely a learning curve to it. But that said, it's also a very logical setup that if you take it step by step, you can finish it. Just keep in mind that it's not this super flashy, simple thing because the system is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think that that's a really honest review. And from everything I've seen of the actual product, it does seem incredibly logical. For, for our listeners, we've partnered with Onares to give new customers a 30% discount on their first three months. So when you talk to the team there, just mentioned behind the stays, if you just go through the checkout process, you can use the discount code BTS30 to get 30% off. But again, you can also just talk to a team member there, say that you heard about them on behind the stays and they will honor this discount. Tyan, any final words of encouragement as to why listeners should go and, and give Onares a, a closer look? Owner Res is a solid product. It's built by host and property managers themselves, and they understand our needs, working diligently to solve them with continuous updates to the software. I mean, I seriously could not run both my brands with 20 properties and growing with a very small human team, while also giving my time to the industry as a whole as Touch Day's queen of guest experience and sharing my knowledge at conferences and events worldwide without Owner Res. Well, folks, don't take it from me. Take it from one of the industry's most influential voices and just go and give Onarez a closer look. Even if you're not in the market right now, you might be in the market later, just go check them out. And you know, if and when you are ready to sign up, be sure to mention behind the stays or use the discount code BTS30 at checkout to get 30% off of your first three months. Tayan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. All right, thanks, Zach. You've, uh, you've talked about how you guys A-B test uh, a couple times. What, what what does it actually look like? Like, Are you talking about buying two homes in the same market and seeing how they perform before buying additional homes in that in that market? Or what what is A-B, t- are you guys taking photos and you know running ads and seeing like, hey, who clicks like on the modern kitchen more versus the, the you know, uh, slightly outdated kitchen? Or like, what does A-B testing look like at, at Techvestors? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're actually like buying, you know, the same, like, Hey, this is a four, three home in this market. And here's a four, three in the same city, you know, again, five, 10 minutes up the road. Um, and we'll start looking at like, which ones are performing better. Mm. Um, you know, we've like, we AB tested, uh, those little stock tank pools. So, ah. you know, obviously an in-ground pool, you know, might be tough. So we took the same market, same type of home, same four bed. Um, they got all the same minis. They both had game rooms. They both got fire pits but we added a stock tank, pulled a little wood deck around it in, you know, property A, property B, we saved the 10 or 12 grand and just said, Hey, let's just see what the booking difference is. Yeah. All of a sudden property A, that stock tank pool is paying for itself hand over fist. And we're like, shoot, now it's probably <laughs> worth it. Maybe in slow season to go back in and add one of those. So it's just the same thing we've done is, you know, in that one market where we started, you know, we spent eight grand updating the bathroom and then, you know, 10 grand updating the master bathroom. And then, you know, property B, we came in, put in extra outdoor amenities, but the bathroom was like, again, vintage nineties, Yeah, you know, again, modern mirror, but you know, it, it was still not updated. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, the bookings are the same. Hmm. It's like, oh, okay. It doesn't <laughs> hold that same weight. Cause again, it's not, it's not what our guest avatar, I think people need to understand what is your guest avatar. Yeah. And you know, if I was doing couples getaway, it'd be a different, you know, different approach. If I was doing, you know, luxury escape it'd be a different approach, but for what we're going after and, you know, what we typically do, it doesn't matter. So we've just learned those things by buying at scale in a certain market. Yeah. And, you know, we can AB test amenities. We can see, does a hot, is a hot tub needed here? Um, that's kind of the good news is, you know, Hey, let's try put a hot tub here and see if there's any difference. Mm. Um, 
you know, that we, we did the famous golf simulator yeah. and, um, you know, holy smokes that one, we own four or five other same bed and bath count, same area to, to that property. And the golf simulator is the highest revenue one of all of them. And so we're like, <laughs> shoot, how do we start installing more golf simulators? <sighs> so those are things that we have that advantage of versus, you know, being a one-off investor where it's like, Hey, this is my one, or this is my two is because it's scale. We can start testing things out and seeing what works. And then you can always go back in and add those, you know, other amenities if you see that the ROI is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the hottest topics, most contentious topics in, in sort of the industry right now is direct bookings and whether direct bookings as a strategy makes sense. Folks have some folks have very strong opinions that, you know, the OTAs are are essentially the devil. Uh, other, other folks can't seem to justify the the expense of spinning up a website, spinning up direct booking software. At the end of the day, they they don't feel like the investment in, in direct bookings is, is worth it. Where where do you guys sit, right? Having having a large portfolio here, have you do you guys have any direct booking strategies in place? Are you exclusive to OTAs? Like what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So hot take uh for 17 months here, we have been OTA exclusive with no direct bookings. Wow. Um our performance are everything. Yeah, might might shock people. Um now caveat, we are in the process of building uh, as we speak. So we, we have engaged talks. We are getting a professionally built website. We're, we're going to slowly roll out a strategy, but you know, our primary focus has been that, you know, Hey, we want to build this portfolio. We want to get scale and density, get kind of our internal SOPs in order. So it hasn't been a necessity due to the fact of our success. Yeah. You know, if occupancy dropped to 50%, it's a different discussion. Things always move up the priority to-do list when you're building, you know, a portfolio of this size and direct bookings has never been a priority. We we've known it's something we want to do. And we obviously have scale and power that a lot of people would dream of, but it's never been necessary. Yeah. You know, when, when I go look at, you know, July's last month, you know, the entire portfolio, um, sat at 89% occupancy and wow. we shattered our revenue records. And that's just, just, again, exclusively OTAs. You know, again, a lot of people, you know, I think, you know, what you want to do is, you know, we want to be a good OTA partner. We, in fact, have calls with the OTAs directly, mm. you know, with obviously Airbnb and, and Verbo. And, you know, we ask them questions and, and we say, hey, how, how can we be a better partner? Because at the end of the day, this is a mutual relationship. I think a lot of people just think, oh, I'm using the platform. They give me a spot, you know, put my listing. But it's really a two-way street. You know, you want to say is like, what can you do? Hmm. to be a better partner. They want more bookings. So we say, okay, what are things we can do? Oh, and so some of these tips and tricks that I, you know, sometimes share, those are, those are directly from the horse's mouth. Yeah. They are telling you, Hey, you guys should go tweak your listing and add X, Y, Z because our algorithm favors it. Yeah. So we want to be a good OTA partner and we want to maximize it. Now, again, I do believe that we will have a nice blend with direct bookings over the next six to 12 months. Um, I think we have massive advantages versus, you know, one-off investor, Johnny, who, who only has one. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like where we're at today and, and my take on it. Um, it is a commitment. I don't think you can, you know, just throw it together haphazardly. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing for us is we, we just didn't have the necessary dedication to it and we weren't going to do it, you know, part way. So for yeah. us now we have the opportunity. Now we have the internal structure to be able to do it right. And, you know, we will execute it and build it out over the next six to 12 months. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? 
First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. You between you guys and and Hayden uh, Lavardi's portfolio, uh, it's funny talking to folks that have large uh, short term rentals under under management, large portfolios of short term rentals under management, who are both like who both have been OTA exclusive. And then you hear <laughs> lots of chatter of folks in the kind of like five to ten, uh, you know, property uh, uh, space that are like the OTAs are, are the enemy. And it's just, it's just interesting, right? That the the, oh, yeah. the folks at scale are like, nah, the, this makes sense. I, Hayden actually said something on my podcast, which was very much a hot take. He said, oh, I don't think the OTAs uh, take enough. Like, I actually think that they should take more for, for you know, the the service that they provide. I actually think he, he might even be exclusive to Airbnb. And he was like, um, yeah, they, you know, the, the, the percentage cut that they take is, is not nearly enough. They should, they should take more. Um, I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, I'm going to, we're going to get canceled here, uh, from, from some of our listeners. But- I, I don't think he's like that far off. I mean, like I, I know Hayden and talk to him and he's a great guy. Um, I mean, we, if you really just like take a step back and yeah. you go, hold on, they built a marketplace for people to do, and this is this is how I always counter the when people are like, "Oh, it's direct bookings or the or the end all be all." You have to. I say, okay, great. Let's say I want to go search for a cabin in the Smoky Mountains. Do I go to Google and type in cabin for rent Gatlinburg, or do I go to Airbnb and type Gatlinburg in the search box? Yeah. So yeah. let's just look at what's consumer behavior. Look at all of these brands that are trying to sell products. Yeah. And Amazon is exclusive. There's a guy on Twitter. Who has a toy business does ten million a year in revenue. Ninety percent of it's you know exclusively Amazon, and the rest ten percent is his website. He pours money into direct, buy from his website, better margin, all this stuff. But again, if somebody's going to go search for a toy, do they search on Google X Y Z toy brand, or do they go to Amazon and type in? So Airbnb, Amazon have spent hundreds, if not billions, in marketing building. They're controlling your behavior. Yep. And so by you promoting direct bookings, you are trying to outspend and outduel consumer behavior. Yeah. That is the most expensive endeavor in the world is changing consumer behavior for the masses. And I wish you the best of luck. It can be done. <laughs> you have advantages of being smaller than them. Yeah. But they also have massive advantages via money that you don't. So you have to understand how to win. Um, and so, yeah, hey, I don't think Hayden's wrong. We've clearly proven it out. We do believe that there is a strategy to drive direct bookings, but it's just, again, it just hasn't been something that we've done yet. Yeah. We will do. It will make sense. Um, and that's why we're building it as we speak. 
Yeah, no, and and to your to your point about cabins in the wood, right? And 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 someone googling that versus starting on Airbnb, starting a search for that on on Airbnb. I do think, right? Like, what what is cool is if you do have a special, uh, an especially unique escape or a collection of unique escapes. I actually think you can play the SEO game, and you actually could rank well, right? For for a cabin in Gatlinburg or whatnot. But to your point, the amount of work required to do that. You, you, you really just have to understand that you're you're signing up for like a content marketing strategy right and like you're going to have to be spending time creating content that includes those keywords right that Google will actually pick up and and rank and help your domain rank for and it's again it's just a different business you can do it right and actually you can do it well but like there are no, there's no like easy path, right? It's like, you know, people say all the time, like Airbnb is a passive investment and people like you like, you know, crap on that all, all the time. And, 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 you know, right, you know, there's nothing passive about this. And I think the same thing goes with direct bookings. It's like, look, building a direct booking strategy can be done and could, you know, and, and maybe should be done, especially if you're trying to uh, promote a particular brand. I've got lots of friends in the space that, that are doing this well, but they spend an incredible amount of time creating content. Like you talk to any of these people, they spend more time creating content to help their websites rank organically for these search terms than they actually do hosting, right? And and like that, if if that's what you're about, great, and that's awesome, yep. and you can do it. But like you're not gonna spin up a Squarespace website, you know, have three pages, write one blog post, and then like be pissed that you're not ranking well for cabins in in Gatlinburg, right? Uh, and, and if anyone out there is preaching that as a strategy, like like don't don't listen to them. It's it's a lot harder than that. Um, but anyways, I I love I loved. Uh, I, I'm glad you gave your thoughts on this too because I think I think it's good for people to hear the opposite side when there's so there's so many people like preaching direct bookings as like the end all be all. Um, and I think you know it m- most sensible people fall somewhere in the middle where it's like it can be a good strategy if you've got if you've got the resources to pull it off. But don't feel like somehow you're just missing out if you're OTA exclusive. Yep, no doubt. <laughs> um, so, dude, I want to I want to talk as we kind of wrap our, our conversation here a little bit about like the future, right? As as you have this, this sort of like front row seat into institutional capital, kind of like pouring into the space for the for the first time, like where do you, where do you think this all goes like you guys have this this fund a couple folks uh a couple other folks are, are building you know their funds where do you predict like the industry's going over the next five years as more and more institutional capital finds its way in into the str space yeah so you know kind of what we're seeing is scale is going to be the end-all be-all um, so we've talked to some of these institutional buyers, you know, we strategically talk to our potential exit partners. Hmm. Um, they're, they're, we're not big enough for them to buy, but you know, we'll leave the names out of it. But one group has told us, Hey, we want to be in short-term rentals, but we don't want to get in until we can buy a portfolio of at least 500 properties. Hmm. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll call, we'll call you. We'll see you in three years. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked to another group that's like, Hey, we want to get in and deploy capital, but we aren't going to deploy less than a hundred million a year. So if you're like, okay, well, how are we going to go spend a hundred million on short-term rentals in a calendar year? Yeah. You're like, okay. So when you really look at it, that's the, that's the hurdle that institutions are looking at is there is no portfolio of 500 to buy right now in the marketplace. 
there isn't a whole lot of places to go do a hundred million a year. Yeah. Um, development has been the only way to do it, but that's a completely different strategy because now you're talking 18 to 36 months with with no cash flows, being able to put that capital out there for a long-term view hold. And, you know, not saying that's not a good strategy, but you have to be, you know, whoever's backing that money needs to be okay with that strategy. So yeah. if they align, great. I do think it is. Um, you are seeing institutional development in places like Disney, in places like Joshua Tree. Um, you know, there's some smaller groups doing some development deals across the US, but you know, that's kind of where institutions are at today. I do think over the next five years, you will see some of these like slightly smaller, maybe sub-institutional groups that are maybe going to get involved with, you know, 25 million, 50 million deployments. And that can allow them to scoop up portfolios of say 50 Airbnbs or a hundred Airbnbs. But really, you know, what we're trying to figure out is, you know, nobody's assembled this massive portfolio that's diversified to go unload it. And, And that's really like, you know, we're trying to quote unquote, guinea pig it. We are setting the market and, you know, we do hope other people continue to join and, you know, I'm all for the success. I know there's other groups that have, you know, 25, 30 units or 40 or 50 units that they've assembled together, um, you know, in a portfolio. And, you know, it's great if those people can transact those because it shows the the appetite. But ultimately, from the discussions we've had, the biggest holdup today is scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's number of doors or total dollars, either way, there's just nothing big enough to make it attractive to enter. Um, versus putting that in any other asset class where you can go deploy a hundred million in multifamily industrial self-storage, et cetera, with a snap of a finger versus short-term rentals um, where it's where it's a little tougher. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What do you you think about like, these large management companies, right? Um, who some of them have been have been having uh, uh, a not so great last twelve to twenty four months. Um, and one of the things people in the industry like to talk a lot about is like, there's not a great example of a management company that's gone even national that's been able to do so successfully. Um, how do how do you guys think about that? Because you guys you guys manage your properties as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we manage our own stuff. Um, And and that's unique. Uh, I think the biggest flaw in the asset class with management and, you know, I talked to somebody who was uh, a high up at one of those 3000 plus management companies. 
And, you know, the stat they told me was wild is one third out of every owner had a say in pricing, which is absolutely wild. So if your owner comes in and says, hey, do not ever rent my place for less than 300 a night. Hmm. And you're sitting there on the revenue management team going, well, hey, you know, the data says that we can fill this Monday or Tuesday in off season. If you just allow us to drop it to 229 a night, we'll still filter the guests. We'll make sure they have good reviews. They verify their ID, blah, 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 blah. Owner's like, nah, I'm not taking less than 300. <laughs> so yeah. you're handcuffed. And, hmm. and that's one third, one out of every three. And this was, again, a 3,000 plus unit property management company whose name will leave out of it. That a third of their owners had a say in pricing, wow. and that and that's standard across the board. So right there, you're handcuffed. Where where ours is because we manage our own stuff. We look at the data. If the data says we can go book that for two twenty nine a night, then we're going to go book yeah, it for two twenty nine yeah. a night. We don't come in and set preconceived notions mentally with like, oh, I'm never let you know. That's the everybody's ego. I'm never renting mine for less than X. Yeah. Or people think, oh, my place is worth five hundred night all day, and it's like, no, the data will tell you at the end of the day. People will book your place for whatever they think it's worth. The market will always tell you what your place is worth yeah. because if we all charged a dollar, we would all get booked. So as you keep doing that example, okay, what if I charge five? How how often am I booked? What if I charge 50 bucks a night? What if I charge 150? The market will always tell you what your place is worth. And so, you know, being able to strategically grow with infrastructure, I think has been the biggest hurdle both for us and for everybody else. Um, you know, what we've realized at scale now is, you know, we can start bringing more of the things that you would maybe third party out, you know, hmm. like maintenance and stuff, is it starts to make sense to bring it in house. Hmm. And, you know, those are things we've done. So scale has become super important and, and not just scale, but density. Um, you know, here as we've gone um, in fund two, which we're in currently, and as we move into, you know, fund three next year, uh, we're going to be more focused on density than we are, you know, complete diversification. And fund one, we do have density in in a lot of the markets, but we do own like a handful over here, a handful over there. And what we're realizing is it's harder to justify having like more in-house levers in there yeah. versus getting third-party help. Yeah. Um. So for us, it's about pulling as many levers as possible. And when you look at those big property management companies, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and what we've realized in, you know, calling a spade a spade, everybody's fighting for the six figure revenue properties, because what you're realizing is how much it costs you as a property management company to manage a cabin that generates 50 K in revenue hmm. is the same cost as a 150 K revenue. You just make three times the free cash flow and profit for your business. Yeah. So what you're seeing right now is a lot of entities are just everybody's chasing the six figure revenue properties. And so there's only so many of those out there in the U S and what's what, what I see with property management over the next five years is, you know, the, the whole, Oh, my, my property generates anywhere from 40 to 70 K, which is kind of like no man's land. I think you're constantly going to be stuck with either up and coming property management companies, which will say yes to any and all business because they want the revenue. Yep. Um, or you're just going to be stuck with this huge fat conglomerate that doesn't care. And they're just like, sure, add it to the books, whatever. Like, let's just grow top line. But you really want, I think you and me, you know, to eat about this is you want that like middle market, middle of the road, you know, has really been the sweet spot um, today, at least in Airbnb and short-term rental management. Um, where they're not too big that they don't care, but they're not too small that they, you know, are inexperienced. And that's that's really where the asset class is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, super, super interesting insight. And, 
you know, I, I tweeted about this uh, a couple days ago, but I noticed on my Airbnb app the other day that there was like a little tag that uh, identified a property as uh, hosted by an individual host. Like the, there was literally like individual host tag. One of my friends from, uh, one of my followers from, from Europe responded and showed showed a screenshot of uh, their property, which listed as a prof- like professional manager um, as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Airbnb as, as a platform begins to help communicate to to guests, right? Uh, who who's behind uh, who's behind the stay, right? Uh, behind the place that they're about to book, and it it'll just be interesting how that changes business strategy and how that changes. I think I think the biggest opportunity is for those smaller, more boutique operators to sort of really up their game and 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 have a, a stronger competitive advantage over you know the the casas uh, of the world um, if they can provide that level of detail that you know the, the same sort of level of service if not more uh, attention to detail more more service than people might expect from an individual host and there was you know some good discussion on that thread and then also on a LinkedIn post about from from you know all sides of the aisle around are, are guests more likely to book a place that's professionally managed versus from an individual host I'm, I'm sort of from from the, the the perspective that I much prefer to book from an individual host assuming they have like great reviews right and you know their, their listing looks great something about it about it just feels like I'm I, I don't know if I'm getting a better deal or like there, there are all these sort of like signals as, as a as a guest that I feel more comfortable booking dir- directly with a with an individual host. But it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the industry changes and morphs as you get really, really good professional managers coming into the space and and offering sort of these bespoke, cool, curated experiences for, you know, for 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 all homes that are a part of their portfolio. You're, uh, I'm in your camp. Um, my opinion is subject to change, but from the data we've seen, we're, we kind of believe that consumers prefer an individual person than a big company logo on yeah. that Airbnb booking. Yeah. Um, that's why we have one of our, uh, one of the women on our team, uh, as the profile picture for our entire portfolio. <laughs> um, you know, side note, if, if you are going to go the individual route, put your spouse or if you are a woman, because, I mean, again, let's call spade a spade. Women prefer booking with women and men prefer booking with women. (laughs) So us dudes are just kind of SOL at the end of the day. So don't put your face on there. Have your wife, have your spouse, have your sister, whatever, (laughs) um, as their... um, Yeah, I think people have just had two big experiences. And when people look today, just the general um, you know, appetite, if you're like, ah, do you like big corporations? You know, just everything that's gone on in the world, you know, macro people don't. So we've kind of bought into that. Now, if this new designation starts changing, if the algorithm prefers and pushes professional management, because that's what it is, we're going to, again, stay very intimately close and watching it because ultimately the OTAs are your partners. You have to see what they prefer. So we can have our own thoughts and opinions, which kind of align with what you would say as a traveler and what we believe personally as a traveler as well. But as second, they say, oh, well, the professional status pushes you, yep. then, we're, then we'll start yeah. professionalizing <laughs> our portfolio. So um, I think you really just have to see what things are. And again, take your preconceived notions out of it and just look at what's around you and make the best decision. Yep. Yep. Dude, couldn't agree more. Taylor, this has been an awesome conversation as as always. I am just grateful for your time. Thanks again for all that you do for the industry. I've learned a ton from you. I know that a lot of the people that uh, listen to this podcast have also learned a lot from you. If you're not already following Taylor on Twitter and or LinkedIn, I'll have links to his bio, his profiles in um, in the show notes. Be sure to give him a, a follow and, and connect with him. He's he's full of really, really great info. Uh, Taylor, any, any anywhere else you want folks to go if they want to connect with you or are those the best places? 
No, those are the best places. Uh, if you want to follow more about what we're doing on the portfolio level, techvestor.com um, has a lot of information. Um, you can also book a call, talk to anybody on our team. So uh, appreciate the uh, time today. Enjoyed it, Zach. Awesome, man. All right. Take care, man. We'll chat, we'll chat more soon. Sounds good. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.